Revelation chapter 1, and we'll read the first three verses. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and the test and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth, I believe that he's speaking directly to the seven pastors of the seven churches in Asia, but likewise all pastors that would read this. One may gain understanding reading it independently, but I believe that these things are written to the churches. We read that. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy. So then if it's blessed if the man I read this, it's blessed if you hear it. And keep, regard, or observe those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. So twice in three verses we see urgency. Shortly come to pass, the time is at hand. The reason I said what I did about specific instruction to the Lord's church, verse 4, be reminded, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia. This is a book of the revelation of Jesus Christ, but it's written to the Lord's assembly, okay, or his assemblies, but of the same nature, origin, function, DNA, everything. So last time we studied, if you'd be reminded, in verse 9, we, we, we titled that message, The Setting, okay? And that verse says, I, John, who am also your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom of patience. So uh, pay, kingdom of patience of Jesus Christ. Remember brotherhood, yes, he is a fellow child of God, but specifically a fellow member of the kingdom, which it appears as though the kingdom in this sense is the Lord's assembly. So he doubles down on the idea that this is a book written for understanding in the assembly was in the isle that is called Patmos, a rocky, rugged island, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ, which is exactly what he said in verse 2 as well, that he bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So that type of repetition should stick with us. Okay. So what was John all about? He was about the record and testimony of Jesus Christ, wasn't he? So that being the case, we're going to have... Uh, this message titled tonight, uh, The Setting, Part 2, we're going to read verse 10. So that's the title, The Setting, Part 2. So this is the last little fragment that we get of what was going on in John's life when he got the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, so The Setting, Part 2. He says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. And we're going to look at the first part of that verse that he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. So the hearing behind and that kind of thing, that's a different message altogether. Just giving you a snippet. Um, that that seems to be the, the validity of the, the idea that John physically experienced and saw the things that he says he saw. So in, ver in chapter 4, when it says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was open in heaven, and the voice which I heard was, as it were, a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must uh, be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne. So it says he was in the Spirit, but it doesn't seem as though that he was, um, that th these were all, these were hallucinations or visions, that he was actually there. Yeah. Okay? So the reason we say that is when he says he was in the spirit in chapter 1, verse 10, he heard a verse, a voice rather, and he heard it directionally. So if someone is hearing something that is not there or if someone is hearing something but it is a, a hallucination, as they say, it's heard in stereo. Okay, so what do we mean by that? And we'll get into this further. If something's heard in stereo, uh, that imagine sitting in your car and you're playing the radio. You hear you hear drums and guitar and piano and whatever out of each speaker. So it sounds like it's all happening all around you. But if you hear something behind you or directionally, that that's an indication of an actual event. Uh, Snipers, they're trained uh, that they, if they hear a crack and then they hear a bullet, then they could hear something here, here, and it must have come from this direction. That's one of the beauties of having a silencer is you hear one noise and not two. And so it's hard to track. Anyway, that's a separate message. But I, I, it seems as though that John experienced these things. So when he, when he saw certain things and saw things that are going to happen, it seems as though John was actually taken there 
by God and that he was permitted to see those things uh, in, 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 in actuality. Again, separate message. Today we're going to be looking at the setting, part two. So in this, it says that he was in the spirit. Okay, He says, I was in the spirit. And that's speaking of, uh, of the third person of the Trinity, speaking of the spirit, the Holy Spirit. So people try to take what John experienced while on Patmos, saying he was in the spirit, and make it applicable to themselves. Okay, And there are, some, there are certain things about John being in the spirit that are totally specific to John. Okay, And we can understand it pretty easily. The spirit was employed as an exercise there, and that is, that is uh, common to believers. What do I mean? So when we come in to worship, we should be in the spirit as we approach here. In mindfulness toward Jesus Christ, in prayerfulness unto the Lord uh, for the glory of God and toward one another and, 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 and doing the things that the Spirit of God would cause us to do, evidencing fruit of the Spirit. And in verse 9, he says, I am your brother and, and companion in tribulation and the kingdom of patience of Jesus Christ. And, and I was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So we could also understand that John, performing all those things in verse 9, he would have done that being in the Spirit. Okay, uh, when, when, uh, when Paul wrote the epistles, he would have been in the Spirit, led by the Spirit of God in those things. But also when he said that he was shipwrecked and he was beaten and, and had so many stripes save one, at those times he, was, he would have been in the, in the Spirit also testifying of Jesus Christ and living accordingly. Also, that something that John would have had in common with all believers being in the Spirit, you and I being in the Spirit of God, that we would have had meditation and mindfulness of Christ. Okay? So, and, and I, you know this in your lives, that there are times when you study and meditate on God's Word that you can be overwhelmed by the graces of God and, and the mercy of God and, and what He has done indeed for us, simply just considering who God is and what He has done. It's, and, and it's something that, while we don't want to get all in tune with our feelings on this matter, because the Spirit of God should not be just reduced to how we feel in a moment emotionally, but when someone is in the spirit, it, it can be something that, that, that is known of the child of God. Okay? So, man, let's say this. So we, we can step back and say, oh, no, that stuff's for the old Pentecostals that run up and down in the cart, cartwheels and all this kind of stuff. Have you ever been in a spirit-filled meeting where just every message was, was touching and moving and motivating in Christ and, and the fellowship was sweet and all these things are dear uh, and, and you just know the Spirit of God was in that place? Well, wouldn't you say, yes, we were in the Spirit on the Lord's day? So what would prevent... Well, yeah, I'll go ahead and ask it. What would prevent a child of God from being in the Spirit? What, pre what would prevent us today, right now, studying God's Word from being in the Spirit? Would the Spirit of God prevent Himself from the child of God worshiping and adoring Jesus Christ? Would he? I don't think so. Now, we can look in the, in the Scripture, and we're told not to quench the Spirit. Okay, How do we quench the Spirit? How does one quench the Spirit? Well, they live in the flesh, right? So if I'm busy living my life, quenching the spirit, quenching the spirit, living according to the flesh, quenching the spirit, and then in the last minute I jump in the car and run over to the church building or walk across the yard there and say, okay, okay Lord, you know, I want to be in the spirit for the church services. Now, I know the spirit of God does impose himself on, on sinners unto salvation. But also we do have these two natures. We have the sinful flesh that we deal with. So I don't believe, putting that all together, I don't believe John was sitting on the Isle of Patmos and he was all upset with the governor of Rome and gnashing his teeth and, and, and what about that guy who turned me in for doing it and mad and angry and mad and angry and then boom, he was in the spirit on the Lord's day and ready to receive this revelation. I believe John, if you look in, in Galatians chapter 5, I believe John, while in the spirit and moved by the Spirit, was motivated, motivated in the fruit of the Spirit.
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. I believe John, it seems as though when he was in the Spirit, he was living in the Spirit, but also walking in the Spirit. And evidence that he was walking in the Spirit as he was on the Isle of Patmos for the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So it should be the desire of all children of God, though I will not be on that island probably, I can't say for sure that I won't, but I probably won't be in the isle that is called Patmos, that I should desire to live a life that is good for the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, to, to live it and walk in it. Now the special in the Spirit clause for John he specially and particularly re received the testimony, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So that is special to him. But that does not mean, and while he, the God, God Almighty in the Spirit does not, does not reveal unto me prophecy and books of the Bible, that does not mean that the Spirit of God does not, uh, does not indwell his people in a worshipfulness, uh, wor worshipfulness sense. Um, uh, concerning the things of Jesus Christ. If you go back to verse 3 and we read that, it says, Blessed is he that readeth. And I, I believe we should say, okay, blessed is he that readeth in the Spirit. Yeah. Right? So if I were to read the Word of God in and, and all, all works of the flesh, you know, the variance, hatred, strife, all these things, lust, whatever, then that's not me reading in the Spirit. That's me reading in, in the flesh. Likewise, they that hear the words of this prophecy. So I would encourage you not just not to desire to be, quote, in the spirit um, when you approach on Tuesdays as we read the book of the Revelation. But for every service, I would desire you to to receive the word of God and to hear the word of God in the spirit. Now, it's not like a light switch where you just turn it on, turn it off. If you live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. So I would desire for you to live and walk in the Spirit. Always be ready to testify of Jesus Christ. Always be on the ready for the Word of God and His testimony to live for Him and suffer. To always be leaning into and looking at Jesus Christ. There are some things that are common to all believers in 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 Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto Him. Jesus, the Lord Jesus, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. So John, being in the Spirit, then received those things as from God, who is the Spirit of God, did receive those things, but he has to show unto those servants those same things. So doesn't it just make sense that we should desire to be in the Spirit to receive spiritual things? That just makes sense. Yeah. And John... And it's, again, not just, not just the book of Revelation. In John chapter 15, there's a, a generalization made about the Spirit of God. John chapter 15 and verses 26 and 27. But when the Comforter is come, and the, he's talking to save people. So he's not saying that they're not saved or without salvation, but the Comforter will come unto the assembly in Acts chapter 2. Remember that. When the Comforter is come... Whom, in a special way. Again, this isn't. He didn't save them in Acts chapter two. He he gave them the Comforter that would continue to be with his assembly. When the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, didn't Jesus Christ receive his revelation from the Father? Even the Spirit of Truth isn't Jesus Christ the way, the truth, and the life, which proceedeth from the Father. He shall testify of me. What's the book of Revelation about? It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And ye also shall bear witness because ye have been with me from the beginning. Well, I haven't been with him from the beginning of his ministry. But I have been with him since, since he saved me. And particularly, I have been part of his assembly, whom the Comforter has promised to be along with. So, so in, in that sense, every believer, specifically believers who are in the Lord's assembly, can expect to receive spiritual blessings. But we should also desire to enter un, thereunto in a spiritual way, in the spirit. Raise your hand if you've ever come to church and not been in the spirit. So Debbie, okay, yeah, that, you're the last one. So uh, I mean, that, that's 
because every one of us, we got the flesh in common, right? And we have things in our day, and we have things that preoccupy us, and we have things that... But we should desire. These things are so so important. They're godly important. We should desire to be in the Spirit as He has promised for us. Particularly, yet not exclusively, the Spirit impresses the gospel on the Lord's day. Look at that. He said, I was in the Spirit. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. So while the Spirit of God does testify of Jesus Christ every day, in particular, he does testify of the gospel of Jesus Christ on the Lord's day. So the Jewish Sabbath was never, ever at any time referred to as the Lord's day. Now you can go back in the Old Testament and read of the day of the Lord, and that's talking about at the end of the tribulation period when he comes in and touches down on, on the Mount of Olives in the book of Zechariah, chapter 14, and he, and he makes war and establishes his kingdom moving forward, the thousand-year kingdom. That's, that's the day of the Lord. That's not the Lord's day. The day of the Lord, thinking about the Sabbath, the, the Sabbath was created for man. Uh, Mark chapter 2, if you look at Mark chapter 2, the Lord Jesus Christ says that very thing. So when we're thinking about the Sabbath or the Lord's day, um, there, there's, a, there, there's, there's something significant here. Mark chapter 2 and verse 27, Mark chapter 2 and verse 27, and he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. So the Sabbath was created in the very beginning. Man was made on the sixth day, the Sabbath was made on the seventh. It was made so that man would worship God and adore the Lord for his many works. In John chapter um, what was it? John chapter 5, remember that man at the pool of Bethesda, he was healed, and they called the Lord Jesus Christ a blasphemer because he said he was the Son of God, but also because he healed on the Sabbath. The Lord said, hey, look, my Father works here, the two, and so do I. You know, he, my, the Father works on Sunday, he keeps, us, he keeps everything going, and I work on Sunday. Now, the Sabbath was given that they would admire the works of God. God himself in the flesh, Jesus Christ, healed a man openly on the Sabbath. And they were to admire the works of God. And instead of admiring the works of God, they called him a blasphemer. The Christian Sabbath, as it's known, if you look in John chapter 19, John chapter 19, concerning the, the burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, in John chapter 19 and verse 41, John chapter 19 and verse 41, now the place where he was crucified, there was now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulcher or grave, wherein never man was yet laid. And they laid Jesus therefore because of the Jews. Preparation day for the sepulcher was nigh hand, it was close by. And then in chapter 20, you see these women come over, and Jesus isn't there, so they, they send, and, and John and Peter come along first. John outruns him, and, and then they look in, and he's gone. In, in verse 11, Mary stood without the sepulcher, weeping, and as she wept, she stood down and looked into the sepulcher, and seeth two angels in white, white sitting, the one on the head and the other at the feet, where, Jesus body, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when he, she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not it was Jesus. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master. He says, Touch me not. So, and, and, and this is the next day, the Sabbath. That was Saturday. And then Sunday morning, early Sunday morning, they go and, and he's not there. Verse number 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. So why do I read all that? Because it was the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, and they were admiring the works of God and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
that pattern continues uh, through the New Testament of gathering on the first day, the Lord's day, and admiring the works of God in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. That was the first day of the week. And how do I know that? Write this down. You can read it on, write it on, read it on your own time. Leviticus chapter 23, verses 15 and 16. The Feast of Weeks, the, week, the Feast of Pentecost. So starting from, from the Sabbath, which is a Saturday, they were to, starting the next day and forward seven weeks. It was 50 days. It was the Feast of Weeks. So Sabbath on a Saturday, 50 days, comes on a Sunday. They were to, to celebrate the Feast of Weeks. So when Pentecost was fully come, that was the first day of the week, and it would have been the Feast of Weeks. They continued admiring the works of God, and you know in Acts chapter 2, well, that they were in the Spirit on Acts chapter 2. And just as much as John was in the Spirit in a special way in Revelation chapter 1, the people in Acts were in a special way in the Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Now when John was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, it says nothing about tongues, it says nothing about healing, and this prophecy was given to him, and he does demonstrate, he says that throughout the prophecy. Okay? It was something he could understand. If somebody says they have prophecy, but they can't understand it, these gifts or whatever. No, John fully understood these things. So there's no, there's no mismanagement of the Spirit, or there's no, no falsehood of the Spirit at all. In Acts chapter 20, following the same design of the Lord's day. You can see that in chapter 20. It looks like they are also in the Spirit. Look at this. Acts chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. Excuse me. Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Acts chapter 20, verse 7. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples were come together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the, morn, on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. So what do you suppose that Paul was preaching unto them? Well, this is the occasion of Eutychus falling out of the window, and he dies, and he's brought back to life. It appears as though he would have been preaching about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ on the first day of the week. They would have been in the Spirit, it seems, and that's consistent with the Word of God. So meeting on the first day of the week, designed to be in the Spirit, hearing, preaching, and giving and preaching, and having explicit instruction on the gospel of Jesus Christ. It seems like these things are pretty consistent, doesn't it? It does to me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, you see also that this... The, the group at Corinth was meeting on the Lord's Day on the first day of the week. Now concerning the collection, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So they were when they gathered on the first day of the week to admire the works of God and the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, they would have done so gathering in the Spirit who came from the Father to testify of the Lord, and they were to do that on a regular basis as it would have been no strange thing for them to gather together on the first day of the week. The first day of the week then, it appears through Scripture for the ch children of God that it's, a, it's to be a celebration of God Almighty in the Word of God according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that what the book of Revelation is? A celebration of Jesus Christ? He calls him Jesus Christ. We remember what that, what that means. Jehovah is salvation. Christ, the, the anointed. And he's speaking to his servants that we would be blessed in the Spirit by reading and hearing and keeping these things which he gave us. And, and at the conclusion of the book of Revelation, the last two chapters, all eyes are on Christ. It's total adoration for he who was slain. Behold, the tabernacle of, of God is with men. So they, in the first day of the week, they read, they, they prayed together, they read together, they admired Christ together, they administered the Lord's Supper, 1 Corinthians. They, they, uh, they took up tithes and offerings at these times. They received instruction. 
it appears to me that the, 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 the churches in the book of Revelation, when they read these letters, that it would have been on the first day of the week. They were in the Lord's, uh, in the spirit on the Lord's day receiving these letters. And they also had particular occasions of fellowship on the Lord's day, first day of the week. So putting some of these things together, when John says in verse number 10, excuse me, Revelation chapter 1, verse number 10, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. We can understand that there are some things in particular for John, him being in the spirit on the Lord's day, that he received this revelation of Jesus Christ. But it's also something in part, not exactly like what John had, but in part, we should desire to be in the spirit on the Lord's day. The Lord gave this, to, and to reiterate that, in chapter 1, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must surely come to pass. He didn't just want us to have a group of words or a book, but we're to understand these things. And if these things were received while being in the Spirit by John, they would likewise be received while being in the Spirit by his people, his servants of things which must shortly come to pass. That makes sense to me. So, preparation for instruction. John, specifically being in the Spirit, he, he came, being in the Spirit came before special instruction. Okay, look at that. Look at the order. Verse 10, Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. What came first? He was in the Spirit first, wasn't he? He didn't hear a voice and then went into the Spirit. He was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and he heard a voice behind him as a great, a great voice as, a, as of a trumpet. So if I'm going to hear, if I'm going to understand great things, I'm not going to hear a trumpet behind me. I'm going to hear the Word of God. Yeah. You see? So if I desire... To learn of God, to hear of God, to understand of God, I should desire first and foremost to be in the Spirit. Okay? Not as the world preaches it, but in the Spirit as God Himself preaches it. What does the Spirit do? It comes from the Father, it testifies of Jesus Christ. How does one get in the Spirit? How does one, as Jude said, if you look in, in the book of Jude, he says in verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking, excuse me. Let me back up to verse number number 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. Well, what comes first? It looks like reading of the Word of God, investigating the things of Christ, and prayerfulness in the Holy Spirit. Okay, prayerfulness. And what does the Holy Spirit do? It testifies of Christ. Sure. So someone praying in the Holy Spirit can't be praying according to the flesh. They'll be praying according to the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Someone praying uh, in the Holy Spirit or someone desiring to be in the Spirit, they would be then living and walking in the Spirit. They would desire, because he's the Spirit of truth, they would desire to do so in a truthful and honest way according to the Word of God. And they would do so centered on the gospel as being sent from the Father. John, it appears as though being on the, on the Isle of Patmos for the reasons he was in was a guy that lived in the Spirit, walked in the Spirit, and was in the spirit truly in a state of worshipfulness on the Isle of Patmos. So, if we are children of God and, and we desire to have special instruction from God, then we would desire to be in the spirit prior to. Okay? So, I've been guilty of this, and I, I'm pretty sure that almost everyone has, if not everybody. You ever been to a church service and said, oh, I didn't get anything out of that? Don't blame the speaker. God can use a rooster to prove his point. Were you in the spirit or were, were you in something else? Were you, were, were we, as I said before, were you distracted? Were you upset? Were, were, was a bunch of other stuff going on? Where were you, right? What was going on? So there's a responsibility that the children of God should desire to be in the spirit. And we don't, we don't think about that a lot because as Baptists, we, we don't talk about the spirit of God much. I don't preach on the spirit because he focuses on Jesus Christ. But the Spirit does focus on Jesus Christ. That's right. So desire to be in the Spirit. We should desire, as John did prior to special instruction, to be in the Spirit of God. I know sometimes it's difficult. I, I personally have a job, and sometimes I'm racing home, eating something real fast, then running over here, taking special time and consideration 
to pray unto the Lord before opening this blessed word and standing behind this pulpit declaring great things. You don't just, it's not something that, that we should just jump into or, 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 or indulge ourselves in because we're checking a box or because it's Tuesday or Sunday and it's time. What are some things that uh, that he 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 uh, that that he would have doing or not been doing prior to this? We know that he received. He was in the spirit in a special way. That was that was special to him. And we know that prophecy has ceased in Revelation chapter twenty-two. In verse eighteen, he says, "For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of this prophecy of this book." If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Well, God being omniscient and he being the providential God, it's not like he's sitting back waiting on somebody to do something. But someone who were changing this book, it says in verse 19, If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book, not that he has an eraser on his iron pen that he's written all these things in, but it's testifying that if any man has a revelation in addition to or reducing this revelation of Jesus Christ, that person's simply not saved. Okay, so in, in saying that John was in the Spirit, he was in the Spirit in a special way for this revelation. And I am not uh, at liberty, nor, nor would I desire to add to this book of the Revelation saying that I have a special word of prophecy as John did. So I, it, it seems as though in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he said prophecy would cease, and I believe it already has, because that which is perfect has come. We have it, the word of God in front of us. Yeah. Very dangerous thing to open up prophecy or claim to have new light or new prophecy. But things in common for church members, though, things that we have that John also had, He was not assembled, but you know he would have been, right? John would have been assembled, and he desired to be in there and around the assembly, the, the Lord's people. But he was truly providentially hindered, okay? When I say providentially hindered, he was testifying of Jesus Christ, and they throw him in jail. They throw him on an island. Yeah. Providentially hindered, meaning he was in the spirit, he was still doing right according to the gospel of Jesus Christ, according to truth, according to being sent of God to do things. Providentially hindered, he was kept out of the assembly. Now, oversleeping, poor planning, lack of desire, those kind of things are not providential hindrance, thus they are not spiritual living. Okay, So if I say I'm in the spirit, but my behavior keeps me out of the Lord's house. Not the spirit moving, but my behavior keeps me out of the Lord's house. That's not being in the spirit. Okay? That's not being in the spirit. When uh, when we were gone this past week, we weren't over at the casino, you know, playing Yahtzee or whatever. We were in another another um, another church, right? Administering the gospel. So we could, we could say that that was a, a providentially hindered from being here, but providentially benefited to being there. But also at the same time, the gospel was advancing. So be very careful because if we're not physically present in the assembly, is it because we're in the spirit or we're in the flesh? John wasn't present in the assembly, but he was in the spirit because providentially hindered. He was be behaving himself, the instrument of God, and was, was, uh, was put on the Isle of Patmos for doing so. Um, providential hindrance, inclement weather, true sickness, okay? In jail for Christ as he was, extraordinary circumstances, that would all be providential hindrance. So I believe John would have been in the Lord's assembly had he not been on the Isle of Patmos or somewhere else. He could have been in, in, in prison somewhere else or something else. But also being in the Spirit comes before special instruction, okay? You don't receive special instruction while not in the Spirit. There are some... If you apply in a practical sense, children, if they're mad and they're being chastened, they're not going to be instructed. You're just going to beat them. You can read the Proverbs about that, you know, about a, a foolish child, a foolish son just will not receive instruction. They don't, have, they don't have a mindfulness of it, but they don't have a spirit for it either. 
Being in the spirit comes before special instruction, and there was a desire for that. Nobody had to tell John to be in the spirit on the Lord's day. So, John, you better go ahead and get in the spirit on the Lord's day. You're going to receive special instruction. Nobody had to tell him that. But children of God, I want you to hear that. If you want special instruction from the Lord, be in the spirit and desire that. We should desire to be in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, living in it at all times, but particularly at the time of instruction in God's Word. Being taught of God is not of flesh and blood. That's what the Lord Jesus said to Peter in the book of Matthew. Okay, So if, if I desire to come in the flesh or in flesh and blood and be taught of God, then that is... that. Then, then I've, I've missed the origin of being taught of God. In, Re, in Matthew chapter 16, when Peter is asked of the Lord Jesus Christ, Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, when asked who he was. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. How did he do it? Did, did the Father speak to Peter out of heaven? Or did he speak to Peter's heart by the Spirit of God and confess unto him, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? Yes, Peter would have been in the Spirit when, the God, when God the Father revealed these things unto him. He saved him and he revealed these things. He didn't learn it of flesh and blood. It's a spiritual matter. He's taught of God. Let me clarify that order. The Spirit of God Saving Peter revealed unto Peter who Jesus Christ is by the Father. He was in the Spirit understanding who Jesus Christ is. Nobody can learn of Jesus Christ outside of the Spirit of God. They are in the Spirit. In John chapter 6, we know verse 44, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. How does the Father draw him? The Father draws a sinner to Jesus Christ by the Spirit. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Well, how, do they, how are they taught of God? By the Spirit. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. How do they come to him? By the Spirit of God. So being taught of God, one must be in the Spirit. Now, people can learn things of, 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 of the Bible. They can learn things of these, these, these testimonies. Remember, we studied in Acts chapter 5 that those Pharisees in that council, they had agreed with Gamaliel of, of the, uh, just the, 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 the pure nature of logic. Of if, that, if that assembly continued, they would be of God. And then they, got, they were still mad and they beat them. So understanding... The word of God in a logical sense doesn't mean someone has learned anything spiritually. Okay, Being in the spirit then predicates or comes before special instruction from God. It starts with God. The work of God starts with God. In 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, many people say that they are believers in God. But who do they hear? Who do they listen to? 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. If somebody is a false prophet, they are not in the spirit. Hereby we know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Well, there's a lot of people who say that he has come in the flesh, but what does that mean? Remember in 1 John that he was talking to antinomians and he was also um, talking to those that, that said literally that Christ had not come in the flesh. They were, they were believing that because there was no literal death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that there was no literal application of those things in their lives. They simply taught doctrine or teaching, but they didn't, there, was no, uh, there was no result of it. He says in verse 3, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. He, notice that he didn't say every, every tongue. He said every spirit. Yeah. Because there's lots of people that say Jesus Christ has come with the, in the flesh with their mouth. 
but not having the Spirit, that Spirit does not confess those things. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 3, Hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, I know that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So be careful how you read that. Look, But look again, every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, or that says, I know him, and doeth not his commandments, and being a liar, is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Who is in you? Is Jesus Christ in you? Well, Jesus Christ overcame the world. God Almighty overcame the world. But who is in you? Is it the Spirit of God that is in you? In the Spirit? Uh, we are indwelt of God, and it's difficult to separate them out, but God the Father does not live in me. The Spirit of Christ lives in me, which is the Holy Spirit. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth us not. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You see you see all those things? If we're talking about being in the spirit, a whole bunch of people just got separated out, didn't they? People that, that are living according to error, they're not in the spirit. People that, uh, that are going according, the, uh, going, going according to the course of this world, they're not in the spirit. People who live in disobedience, they're not in the spirit. People who follow after, after the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, they're not in the spirit. I might have already said this, people who continue in disobedience and recklessness and antinomianism and all that kind of stuff, they're not in the spirit. Well, who's in the spirit? People that confess Jesus is the Christ, they continue following after him, they walk in light and not in darkness. They hear the precious truth of the word of God and continue therein. Those people who are in the spirit. Well, that whittles it down quite a bit, who is in the spirit, doesn't it? The gospel, the truth of the gospel, obedience according to the truth in the gospel. Love in the gospel of truth, proceeding in obedience with all fruit of the Spirit. And we read that in Galatians chapter 5 earlier. So those that are in the Spirit desire to hear instruction in the Word of God. Receive instruction. Now, John, if you look in Revelation chapter 1, Revelation chapter 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must surely come to pass. What are we referred to? What are we referred to as? Servants. Right? Not merely spectators, or not merely, merely adorers, but servants. Active servitude. Okay? When someone is enlisted in the United States military... They are not called to simply admire the United States government. They have they serve in the military, don't they? Paul said the children of God are called to be soldiers, didn't he? Verse three again of Revelation chapter one: Blessed are they that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy. Notice there's a second comma, and keep those things which are written therein. So, someone who is in the Spirit will be desirous, yes, to read of the grace of God and the finished work of Jesus Christ, and to hear of the grace of God and His mercy and the finished work of Jesus Christ, but will also be desirous to keep those things concerning the gospel and the grace and mercy of God according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Obedience. For someone to say that they love God and that they're in the spirit but have no desire to keep the things that are written in the word of God, there's no spirituality in that. What did James say about spirituality? Faith without works is dead. Yeah. Right? So being in the spirit... John was commanded to do certain things, and he did it. He wrote it down. He told him up front in the book of Revelation, I wrote these things down. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. I was shown a whole bunch of stuff, and in the Spirit I wrote them down. In the Spirit you receive them. used to be on the sign out here. What did he used to say on that sign out there, Brother Gary? What did he used to say? 
He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Well, in every one of those church letters, chapters 2 and chapter 3, did he, did he write any of them a letter where he didn't tell them to do anything? No. The, what the Spirit saith to the churches came with commands, didn't it? So if we're going to be in the Spirit on the Lord's day, we should be desirous to receive instruction of the Word of God. Boy, if somebody wasn't in the Spirit and they were in part of the Church of Smyrna and they were told, yeah, 10 days and, 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 and you'll be in prison and, hey, be faithful unto death. If they weren't in the Spirit on that day, man, they'd have been really upset probably. I don't know if that Lady Jezebel repented. I don't know, and I'm not going to pray for somebody who's dead and get in a whole mess. But if somebody is is in the spirit, they will receive instruction. David was in the spirit when he was told, thou art the man. I'm convinced of that. Someone in the spirit will show evidence of repentance and evidence of the spirit. So being in the spirit on the Lord's day every day, but still yet on the Lord's day or when his people gather together to worship God and his word, I believe one would also be open and desirous to instruction or correction. To receive instruction by reading, by hearing, by keeping, all because the time is at hand. Isn't that what the writer of Hebrews said? Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Isn't that what the writer of Hebrews said? In verse 25, excuse me, verse 24, Chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider one another to provoke one unto love and good works. Well, that kind of consideration or an, analyzing, that's a face-to-face kind of stuff, right? And he, re, and he reiterates that, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. But exhorting one another, encouraging, but, but also admonishing or correcting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. What day approaching? The coming of the Lord. So desiring to, to congregate to one, with one another and in love and in good works, provoking one another and exhorting one another, they would have by necessity been being in the spirit on the Lord's day. You see how these things go together? Do we desire? What do we desire for ourselves? What do we desire for one another? Should we desire to be in the Spirit on, the, on every day? Absolutely. Should we desire to be in the Spirit when we congregate with one another and hear of the grace of God and His Word? Absolutely. Well, how do I do that? Beg of God. If you have the Spirit of God, you have... That, that is God's desire for His children is to serve Him. You don't have to pray about that. He's already told us that He wants us to, desi- to, to do that, Right? The, in Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about a husband and a wife in a marriage relationship, and, and it says, wives love, wives, love your husbands, right? Uh, read that, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Um, let's see. Verse 22, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Well, how do you submit yourself unto the Lord? How do you submit yourself unto your husband? For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he he is the Savior of the body. So with all adoration, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to, to their own husbands in everything. The church is supposed to, in all things, adore Christ. Okay, So if we are in all things to adore the Lord Jesus Christ, then we would, verse 22, submit ourselves to him in all things. So that being the case, we should desire in all things that, that we would be taught of him, led of him, protected by him, and have assurance in him in all things. Well, how would one how would one desire to do that? The Spirit of God, as love constrains a bride unto her husband, binds, attaches. As love constrains a, a wife unto her husband, the love of God, as we sing in that song, the love of God should constrain us in the spirit that we should desire to observe and adore the Lord Jesus Christ in everything that we are, everything that we do, everything we say, everything about us. In doing so, we should be desirous to be taught specifically of Jesus Christ 
and that how we may more acceptably serve him. In Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The Spirit of God being in the Spirit will move us to do just that. What keeps us from doing that? The flesh. And be not conformed to this world. That's what the flesh wants to do. What, what keeps me from being in the Spirit? What keeps you from being in the Spirit? Not having the Spirit. The Spirit of God does not leave the child of God. The Spirit of God does not abandon the child of God. What keeps me from, from being in the Spirit, prepared and ready for special instruction from God Almighty in His Word? The flesh. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19, the works of the flesh are manifest which are these? They're, they're evident. They're known. These are things that keep me from being in the Spirit. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. It's not an all-inclusive list, but it's pretty great. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. They're unsaved. People who live in these things without repentance are not saved. So which of these works of the flesh are more likely to keep you from being in the Spirit on the Lord's Day? Presenting in the flesh would keep us from being in the Spirit. A lot of times it's going to be just the, the, the adoration of this world, consideration of the world. Some people get mad and they stay mad. I've known people that they can't go to church for very long periods of time without being mad at something, mad about something. That electioneering stuff, there's plenty of people that are always trying to, to, to play politics in the Lord's church. That, there's no place for that in the Spirit. The Spirit of God does not do that. What else keeps us from being prepared? Lack of preparation for being in the Spirit. How about presenting outside of personal preparation? Okay, so if John, in Revelation, he was in the Spirit of the Lord's Day, well, first and foremost, why was he there? Again, be reminded. Why was John on the Isle of Patmos? Because he was in the Word of God. Okay, so if you're not, if you're not in the Word of God, but you desire to be in the Spirit, that just doesn't make any sense. Okay, so you desire to be in the Spirit on the Lord's Day and every day be in the Word of God. That's where you're going to find Him. He, he, he's going, Jesus Christ is in the Scriptures. New Testament, He's everywhere by name. Old Testament, the Lord said, "Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these and they are they that testify of Me." The, oh, the entirety of the Word of God testifies of Jesus Christ. You want to be prepared to be in the Spirit on the Lord's Day to receive special instruction, be in God's Word. Well, I don't know what I'm reading when God's Word. Well, pray before you get in God's Word. Okay? So prayer, asking the Lord, Lord, I don't know what this means. I need understanding. I know Christ is in here, in this. I know he's on these pages. Reveal unto me Jesus Christ, and the Spirit of God will do just that. Will he give us all the same understanding all at once at the same time? Y'all know things I don't know, and I know things you don't know, but together we can grow together, right? So, the Lord will give us such as he finds pleasing. He's not going to give you some, some new light or different understanding than everybody else had ever lived. He's going to show you Christ. So, presenting outside of personal preparation, presenting outside of being in God's Word, presenting outside of prayer, presenting outside of thankfulness, right? In Revelation chapter, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 5, we were just reading that, Ephesians chapter 5, and verse 18, 18 through 20. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay, being filled with the Spirit, what are we supposed to do? Speaking to, our, to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Okay, so melodies. Melodies unto the Lord. That's one way to be filled with the Spirit. Reciting God-honoring songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. 
So being mindful toward the Lord, meditating upon the Lord, considering his word, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So giving thanks in all, uh, for all things unto God, always for all things, a, a spirit of thankfulness and meditation on Christ and, and singing, you do that. Be in the Spirit. That's what he says. Be filled with the Spirit in songs and thankfulness toward God, considering Jesus Christ in all things and always. That sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Why don't we do it? The flesh. We were just visiting some folks, and I noticed because they're, okay, so the house is on one end and the church is on the other, and the fellowship hall connects the two. And in the fellowship hall, they've got a sink where they do the dishes and all this stuff, and I noticed there was a plastic sleeve in there so whoever's doing the dishes while they're doing the dishes looking up at that plastic sleeve there's a there's a bunch of songs in that plastic sleeve did you notice this there's a bunch of songs in that plastic sleeve gospel songs so whoever's standing there doing the dishes for 10 minutes or whatever as they're doing it they're looking up there and they've got melody in their hearts i hate to do dishes but my heart turned to thankfulness toward god and and doing that should really alleviate my hatred of doing dishes. You see, in all things, always in all things, giving thanks to God. Being honest, is that how we approach every church service? Are we in the spirit on the Lord's day in all services, giving thanks unto God and singing to ourselves and thankful in all things and always for Jesus Christ and his gospel and what God has done for us? John was in the Spirit in a special way in Revelation chapter 1, but these are things that we can relate to, I believe. What's another way that we can not be in the Spirit? We're presenting irreverently. Presenting irreverently. It, there, it's possible to check boxes and say, okay, on the way over here, we're going we're gonna to sing a song together and you better get happy about it. I could do that. You know, or we could say, okay, well, we got to hurry up, hurry up and pray because I got to pray three times before I come over and stop, like some of these people on the way over to to Mecca and stop five times and kneel and pray on the way over here. Well, how irreverent is that if I'm in a hurry and just trying to get things going? But how about irreverently? Also, we sing before our services. Why do we do that? You ever thought about why we have a song service as a regular part of our preaching service? Because of what Paul just said to the Ephesians. To to place ourselves in a a place of being in the Spirit, ready to receive special instruction. Why is a good portion of our Bible Psalms? Because God Almighty desired His people to be in the Spirit as they worshipped Him. Now, it's not a special uh, spell that we put ourselves in in music, but, but these things are designed that we would be in the Spirit worshiping God. You ever sang a song before and and our minds just are somewhere else? And you might be holding the tune real well, but you got no idea what words you just sang. Is that being in the spirit? I believe that's approaching irreverently. I'm guilty of that. Listening to messages while we're having racing thoughts and doing different things, that's approaching irreverently. Look, at, look in the book of uh, Proverbs, chapter 25. Gotta be, gotta be super careful here. We, we want to, we desire, we desire to be in the spirit as we worship God, in the spirit on the Lord's day to receive special instruction of God. While John had special interaction in the spirit, he received the book of uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's some commonality that the children of God can have while being in the spirit. To worship God. Uh, Proverbs 25 and verse 28. He that thinketh, he, excuse me, he that hath no rule, Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. What's a city that was broken down without walls? What's that mean? They got no defense. So children of God, the Spirit of God coming from the Father, testifying of Jesus Christ. If one does not have control over their own inner man, beating down the flesh and submitting under the Spirit of God, you're leaving yourself defenseless. That's what he's saying. You're leaving yourself defenseless. 
Do you desire of your spirit to be protected in the spirit of God? Well, we should desire then to receive, to have, be in the spirit and receive special instruction of God. It appears from Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 28 then that the child of God has special um, command and special, uh, not ownership, special um, responsibility. Special responsibility to have rule over our flesh to beat down those things that would obstruct us from being in the spirit. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do that. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. How does one rule over their spirit that they would be in the spirit? They rule over their flesh, rule over their being, that they would be in the spirit ready for special instruction of God. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that he giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not and it shall be given him. Brother Adam, what's that word wisdom? What's that mean? It's the, uh, the application of godly knowledge, walking and living in fear of the Lord. That's right. That's right. That's exactly what it is. So if someone lacks the application of godly knowledge, I'm having trouble connecting. If someone lacks the application of godly knowledge in navigating the affairs of life, to be in the spirit on the Lord's day and receive special instruction of God from his word, ask the Lord. He'll, he'll tell you. He won't tell you audibly, but there's instruction in the word of God. That is if we desire it. Does everyone desire to be in the spirit? Particularly in the spirit on the Lord's day. I would encourage that you would want such a thing. It is not, let me tell you this, it is not the Spirit of God that distracts us from the Word of God. It is not the Spirit of God that distracts us from the Word of God and hearing the Word of God and preaching the Word of God and, 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 um, and keeping the Word of God. It's not the Spirit of God at all. If I were to say, I just don't have time to study and prepare for messages, I, I could not blame that on the Spirit of God. It would be my own, my own lust, my own sinfulness, my own flesh. Do we desire this? I, I encourage you that you would desire. So, children of God, do you want to be taught excellent things of Christ? That's kind of a loaded question, isn't it? Do you want to be taught excellent things of Christ? Put your hand way up if you do not want to be taught excellent things of Christ. I'm not even going to look around. Desire to be in the Spirit. Desire to be in the Spirit. Specifically, desire to be in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Can he teach us things at home? And does he teach us things at home? Absolutely. I've told you all, Sunday mornings, uh, when, when, the, when the worship hour comes along at 11 o'clock, by majority, those messages I preach are from, uh, preach are from, from home devotional time with, with my family. Can he teach us at home? Yes, absolutely. Desire to live and walk in the Spirit, as we read in Galatians chapter 5. Desire to live and walk in the Spirit. Specifically, I beg you to desire to be in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Further, the messages received in the Spirit on the Lord's Day were to be read in the churches. So I believe that there's a special indication for the Lord's churches to be in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Chapters 2 and 3, letters read in the churches that they would have gathered together on the Lord's Day. We should desire to live and walk in the Spirit. We should desire to live and walk in the Spirit, especially on the Lord's Day. And we should desire to live and walk in the Spirit, especially on the Lord's Day, in His house. Anything that would keep us from walking in the Spirit is sin. Anything that would keep us from walking in the Spirit on the Lord's Day is sin. Anything that would keep us from living in the, and walking in the Spirit in the, in the Lord's house on the Lord's Day is sin. Okay. I say that with the asterisk, John was providentially hindered. He was on the Isle of Patmos. Anything other than providential hindrance. Now, if I'm up all night because I'm playing video games and I go to bed at 6 o'clock in the morning and then I sleep through my alarm at 7, that's not me being providentially hindered. That's me being a bonehead. Okay. So, put away the flesh and blood. 
Okay, we want to be in the Spirit and learn of Christ. Put away flesh and blood, because flesh and blood will not teach us who Jesus Christ is. And that's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16. Peter, flesh and blood hasn't taught you these things, but my Father, which is in heaven. Ask the Lord, and he'll grant you the, the ask of your desire. He will, he will grant you the extreme joy and liberty of being in the Spirit. Sinner, you're in the Spirit, all right. You're in the Spirit, all right. Look in Ephesians chapter 2. And you have be quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in a time past you walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, and the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Did you catch that? The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, you're in the spirit. There is no doubt. And that spirit is satanic. That spirit is anti-Christ. What a terrible spirit you follow. What a terrible spirit you're in. You know, if you try to clean out that spirit, seven more will take its place. You can't, you can't cast out that spirit. But there is one that can. The strong man will bind. Who is that? Jesus Christ himself. Only God Almighty, Jesus Christ, can save a sinner from their sin, can save them from that spirit that works in you, child of disobedience. I would encourage you to desire to be rid of the spirit of disobedience. Well, what does that mean? To be rid of disobedience, what does that mean? To follow after obedience. Well, what is that? Following after the Lord Jesus Christ, when he commands to repent. Repent. Whenever he said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, that was not a suggestion. That was a command. Are you laboring and heavy laden under the spirit of disobedience? Well, that command of grace, come unto the Lord Jesus Christ. No man can come unto him except the Father which I sent him draw him, but they do come. They come willingly, and they come by the power of God unto Jesus Christ. I tell you today, be in the spirit not of Satan or in disobedience, but of the Spirit of God, repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be taught excellent things of Christ. How will you know that Christ is the source of salvation? Well, flesh and blood won't teach it to you. And if you believe it because I tell you, you're just as unsaved as you could ever be. God Almighty must teach you. And he does all to his children. He teaches all of his children of Christ. They're taught of him. They're brought by the Spirit unto Christ himself. Amen. Repent and believe the gospel. Brother White, please come lead us in a song.